You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golic and Smitty. I'm Mike Golic. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to yet another edition, our one millionth edition of Golic and Smitty, by the way. It's incredible how time flies. I'm Mike Golic wow, Senior. time does fly. She is Jess Smetana. I mean, Jess, I mean, a million episodes. You haven't aged a bit. You look great. <laughs> you have. That's... <laughs> Something I can't. I'm just kidding. Again, I know we right started off the on the wrong foot. We started right off on the wrong the foot. What does your father start over. say about this? What does your father say when he who listens? Cares? And he, what do you mean? Who cares? He's your father, Please, and he's a, Mike. and he's a friend of mine. And oh my God! Gonna, you just made his day. When he listens to this, he's gonna cry. You are so mean <laughs> to the elderly. Wow! Have you always been this way? Yeah. <laughs> Man, how you doing? What's going on? I'm good. Actually, you know, it's funny you say that because someone tweeted at me the other day that there's a uh, a mascot sidekick opening for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike, do you know the Steelers mascot's name by chance? No, I, I can't even pronounce their new stadium, let alone know the name of the mascot. Um, sure. Steelers, the Steelers mascot's name is Steely McBeam. Seriously? I'm serious. I, I'm, He's kind I, of a creepy creepy adult man with a big square jaw and apparently they're hiring like a sidekick to go run around with steely mcbeam um and the the job requirements sound perfect for me it's like enthusiastic you know loves the steelers fan engagement all of that but one of the requirements is like you have to be able to interact with fans of all ages and you mentioned that, you know, you think I hate elderly people. That's not the case. I think I'd be a great mascot sidekick if I went into, like, you know, retirement homes and assisted living homes and things like that. I, I love talking to old people. It's the kids where I think I would fail as the Steely McBeam sidekick because I they're too loud. See, I, I feel you'd have the, the mask on so you would, while you would openly be nice to the elderly, you'd be, you'd be <laughs> ripping them behind the mask. <laughs> I don't know if the sidekick has a mask. That's I, I didn't get far enough into the I haven't applied yet. We'll put it that way. But maybe if I do, I'll find out if there's a, a costume or not or if I'm just like a, a live action sidekick. You know, I'm not going to lie. I am this many days old when I know that the mascot was named Steely McBeam. It's I, a great I, name. I mean, it, it's it's hilarious because obviously Pittsburgh is a steel town. So what are you going to name your Steelers mascot the Steelers aren't you know really like a known thing it's kind of like the Packers like what do you name the mascot so they named it Steely McBeam that's a good point that's a good it's like Bodie so, you, know, you know we're going to get into the NBA and WNBA here in, in a second but because you mentioned the Steelers we're going to talk some NFL rule changes later let me ask you this real quick yeah. what did you think of your former Hall of Fame quarterback Ben Roethlisberger admitting publicly and he knew it he said i'm gonna get blasted for this <laughs> yeah but he said i was kind of hoping kenny pickett wouldn't do well you know to the old to make me look boy they really miss me because yeah. the guy they took in the first round isn't doing as well what what did you think of him publicly saying that yeah it's interesting so he said it on his podcast i guess um i'll give him credit for being honest because yeah. that's probably what a lot of retired quarterbacks think about the players that replace them because I don't know you correct me if I'm wrong but like the com com competitiveness with the other people in your position group probably especially at the quarterback position is something that follows you until maybe you die you never really get over that although I guess you said once you quit football you were done competing in sports and you didn't care anymore but I it's see it's probably something that other 
retired quarterbacks have thought. It is interesting he said it because it is incredibly like, wow, like that's pretty awful to say. Yeah, it's petty. It's very petty because he was not a very good quarterback at the end of his career. So to not be able to like mentally move on um, and be like, I'm happy for the guy. He's, you know, Kenny Pickett's a young, I guess he was like 23 or 24 when he was drafted, but he's still a young quarterback kind of taking over the reins. But it's probably not an uncommon feeling, right? I, I can't imagine it would be. Jess, I am going to tell you, depending on situation, this is more prevalent than not. Yeah. Listen, and, and, and it could go as far as, like, I hold the record at Notre Dame wrestling for the fastest pin, 13 seconds. Now, wrestling wow. wrestling was dropped here. They don't have it anymore. But if they did, and I hope it comes back to Notre Dame, I'll say it publicly. I don't want anybody to break my record. I, I want to hold that record. Now, if somebody breaks that record, I would like to be the first to shake their hand and say, good job. But how many times over the years I've had people come on air who've had a record and say, oh, records are made to be broken. Only a couple did they actually say, I don't want it to be broken. And I don't blame <laughs> you. And let me ask you this. If you were in a golf tournament coming to the end where, where mm. winning and money was on the line and you're uh, standing on the edge of the green, you've putted out, and there's a guy or a girl putting a five-footer, if they miss it, you win. You can't tell me in your mind you're not hoping they miss that thing. I keep hearing, oh, oh, golf is a respectable sport. You don't wish bad on others. Bullshit. You want that guy or that girl to miss that putt so you win. Well, yeah, but in this case, like, I don't think there's anything Roethlisberger wins oh, no, or no. loses from Kenny Pickett. Like, right. if Kenny Pickett ends up breaking Big Ben's records in Pittsburgh, that would probably be really surprising. Like, that's not to say he might not be the franchise quarterback there, but Roethlisberger was there for such a long time and played in so many games and won multiple Super Bowls. You know, like, it would it, it, it just surprises me whenever I hear someone who has been very successful at their position still have like petty, hard feelings because yeah. like the chances of Pittsburgh having two back-to-back 18 season quarterbacks in this league, in this time period and being as accomplished, you know, as each other, like that's probably pretty unlikely, right? Like it just, it doesn't happen, let alone back-to-back. So I just that's where I'm like, why can't you just be happy for the guy? But again, I don't I don't listen to his podcast. I'm not a, a huge like fan of of whatever he's doing there. Like just I, I'm ready for the new era in Pittsburgh. So I'm happy for Kenny Pickett. And I hope that he is a successful quarterback. Listen, there. it's it's petty as hell, Jess. There's no doubt about it. My point is, and all situations are different, that if you're sitting there, if you're sitting there in training camp in competition with another player, you can't control how he plays, but you hope he plays bad. You know, I mean, there, there's there's more than that out there yeah. than, than meets the eye. And yeah. with, with Ben, is it petty? Yes. And he even admitted, as I said, he said, I'm going to get blasted for this. But I'm just telling you, in different situations, more often than not, there is there is in the mind wishing there's failure to a person either 100%. at my position. Mike. Or, yeah. I agree with you. I wish ill on people I'm playing pickleball pickleball against all the time. I'm just saying when you're an elite athlete, that's when I find it hard to understand, like, still being petty about, like, a rookie in the league, right? Like, if it's me against someone like me and neither of us are professional athletes and nothing – it doesn't really matter, like, yeah, I want to win, obviously, but – I, you just you just have these images of these ultra competitive people in your mind that like well like why does LeBron James care about who the next guy is in the league? He's freaking LeBron James. Like he there's 
so few questions about his legacy. And and I, Ben Roethlisberger is not LeBron James, but no. you know, in Pittsburgh he is. So that's when I'm like, you know, you kind of expect to see someone be, quote-unquote, the bigger person. But I agree with you. It's probably way more common than you think. Well, you mentioned LeBron. Let's get to that, and we'll, we'll get – into it in a bit later uh, after we talk about the winners lebron lobbing that grenade in his post-game presser uh, yeah. about his future but let's give let's give credit to denver you know denver beats la 113 111 they sweep that series and the stat to go along with it 46 seasons denver's been around the most before a finals appearance and 94 playoff wins the most without a finals berth so they finally get to the finals. They have the best team. I don't care. And it's going to be Miami coming out of the East. They're a better team than Miami. Just, you know, don't, if you're a Denver fan, don't tell Jimmy Butler that, or he'll use it to, to, to beat you guys senseless. Cause that's what he does. And he does it really well. But I mean, just, this was a game where, and two different ones, like the series with Boston and Miami, Boston is so underachieving while just about getting ready to get swept. Where L.A., these were competitive games. They yeah. just went against a better team in Denver. These were all single-digit games except for one. There was an 11-point game. The rest were single-digit games. The rest had big leads that were taken away. The Lakers had a 15-point lead at halftime in this one, but by 4 minutes and 39 seconds of the third quarter, that lead was gone. And it got competitive at, at the, through the rest of the way. Certainly at the end, two of the big things there, the last couple of shots by Jokic, he made his. And the last couple of shots by LeBron, even though he had 40 points and set a record for oldest player to score 40 points in the playoffs, he missed his last couple of shots, that fadeaway baseline. And then at the end where you got to give Jamal Murray and Aaron uh, Gordon credit on the defensive side for stopping LeBron with four seconds to go. And I give you credit for being on the West Coast and staying up to watch the end of these games because I haven't stayed awake for a single 8.30 tip-off this entire conference finals. But um, I think... There has been a lot of hand-wringing about, like, uh, Denver and Miami. It's, like, the worst NBA Finals matchup. We could have had Boston and L.A. And I find that to be so annoying because, A, why does anyone care about NBA Finals ratings? Like, why does why would an average fan care about that? And, B, I think people just want to watch really good basketball, and I think the Denver and Miami storylines are just as good. Yep. Like, you keep hearing about all the, you know, quote-unquote – well, not quote-unquote. They are undrafted players in Miami, even though they're yes. veterans. They're not rookies. And the disrespect for that team and the roster construction. And then, you know, Jokic hasn't won a Finals yet. Like, all the stats you just gave about Denver – uh, not being able to compete for a finals championship yet. And I'm really excited for if, if, if there isn't a miracle and the Celtics do not come back and win four in a row. Um, I think this is a, it's a really great matchup, and I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I, I agree. I do. We'll have to see as a taping of this, we're going into game four for Miami and Boston is down in Miami to see if they can pull off the sweep. And, and to me, Jess, the Celtics are in a no-win situation, first and foremost, because they're not going to win the series. <laughs> but even even in Game Four, because if they win it, or yeah, if they win it, everyone's going to say, "Well, where the hell was that effort when you were down two zip? When you could have still stayed in this series? Winning right. when you're down three zip doesn't mean squat because you're not. Nobody's ever coming back 0-3. So why now? And if you lose, then obviously you got swept, and you're going to deal with the ridicule of that. Of being of being swept by an eight seed, so they're they're really in a no win situation. That that one's a matter of when, not if. That series is over, and then the finals is going to start on June first, and Game Seven, if necessary, will will be on June eighteenth. But give Denver credit, Jokic. Jokic, I mean, 
Jess, this guy, whenever you can say he now has eight postseason triple doubles this postseason in 15 games, so over half the games he's had a triple double. He's averaged a triple double in this series and the Phoenix series, but his eight postseason triple doubles breaks Wilt Chamberlain's record of seven in one postseason. When you're breaking Wilt Chamberlain's records, I mean, that's all-time stuff. I, I and, and Mike Malone, it seems, at least once a presser goes off on everybody for not giving the Joker <laughs> his due, right? He just seems so offended by it. I, yeah, I, I mean, Sp- Spolstra is the same way with his team, right? Like, every time someone mentions the fact that he's got undrafted players on the roster, he's like, really? Like, are we still doing this? I think both of these teams have all of the sports cliche chips on their shoulder, you know, metaphors, whatever you want to call it. Um, because no one had, I mean, I think maybe, maybe, yeah, some analysts did have Denver making it this far, but no one had the heat after this season they had in the NBA finals, especially going up against the Bucks in the first round. Like it was just not something anyone had on the radar. And yet you have now comparisons between Jimmy Butler and Michael Jordan in the playoffs in the way that he's played in this postseason. So, um, yeah, I think, I think both teams really have something to prove, uh, obviously who doesn't. I think you could say that about about Boston and LA too if they had made it, but this is certainly the the one of the least expected matchups that anyone thought they'd see coming up. Um, I also think that it's so every year I'm just amazed at how long the finals schedule yes. is. It lasts like three weeks, especially yeah. when the conference finals wrap up in like four or five games. You've now got a break for like a week before the next game. It's so bizarre to me. I know that they do it because of all the media and scheduling and television schedules and everything like that. But it is so funny because we are essentially, Mike, like your your golf outing now is in like a month. The NBA right. Finals will, will have just ended. Yes. And that feels like it's so far away from now. It, it really does. And I do try and position the golf tournament to be after NBA season. <laughs> so if I want to get basketball-related people – after mini camps and before training camps to get football people. It's good, so it's good timing. I yeah. Like it. It, it, try for the good timing there. And then the other part of this is Denver is going to go on and, and be favored uh, in the finals uh, against Miami, which is to the delight of Jimmy Butler. Um, the, the LeBron in his postgame presser lobs out the bomb of, I have to think about, you know, my future and basically right. talking then to Dave McMenamin afterward off, off camera about, you know, I have to think about if I want to play. Because remember, he had the plan of playing with his son, Bronny, who was going to USC, and he has to be out of high school at least that year before the draft. So it would be at least two years uh, before he would be in the NBA if, in fact, uh, he does he, he goes that route or is a one-and-done guy in college. LeBron has is under contract next year for $46 million, and then the year after is a player option, which coincides with, maybe his son being drafted if his son is a one and done at $50 million. So Jess, I, I have always said this and I will continue to say this. I will never, ever believe what it now could he retire? Well, he's 38 years old, been playing for 20 years, his body, he's still playing great, but you know, his body is certainly getting beat up, but I've said this for a couple of decades of doing shows. Now I will never take an athlete's by their word when a season just ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is too much mental and physical fatigue when you just finish your season, not to give it a little bit of time to take a breath physically, to take a breath mentally, to give it a month or so to decide, okay, am I going to go through another off season of the grueling work it takes to play in the NBA or whatever sport? 
I just I just don't believe in believing somebody who says it right after the season's over. I don't believe it, period, anymore, because we've had so many unretirements the last, I don't know, however long since Brett Favre did it, like, over a decade ago. I, I just don't believe anyone. I'll believe it when I see it. Like you said, he's talked extensively about how he wants to either play with Bronny or against Bronny. Um, you know, he's also said he wants to do what's best for, for Bronny and, and it doesn't, he, he's kind of like walked back some of those comments yes, a little bit. Yes. Cause I think, you know, he's been like, okay, my, my son is going to be an adult and do his own thing maybe. So I shouldn't be so adamant about it, but like, yeah, we all know that that's a goal of his and it's a really admirable goal. Um, and he's very close to attaining it. So yeah, I, I don't necessarily believe what you know whatever his comments are because of that but i also i just don't believe anyone when they say they're going to retire because i think fake retirement or like retirement hints are a great way to get back at the nuggets after they beat you in the conference finals because now everyone's just talking about lebron for the rest of the week and no one's talking about Jokic. (laughs) yeah you know who else nobody's talking about either is carmelo anthony just said he's retiring (laughs) and now lebron upped that one as well oh poor mellow you're right i I know you got you got like a half of a day I have to say, you know, this is reminiscent of my retirement, Jess. Uh, When I retired, the same day I retired, when I did not have a press conference, I did not make a statement, only my family knew, I was still upstaged by Joe Montana retired the same day I retired. It even made my family talk more about Joe than about me. That's how bad (laughs) it was. Oh, man. So you have a chip on your shoulder, too. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, I do. It. Quarterbacks, damn quarterbacks. All right, before we before we move on, we, we have golf to talk about. We have uh, NFL rule changes to talk about as well. F1, will they ever race again mm-hmm. uh, after a, another, a cancellation? Quickly, just on the WNBA, a couple of games have started. The big news is Brittany Griner back and playing again, though the team not doing too well. Early, I have a question for you about, about WNBA, but just your early thoughts on the teams. Just like I said, just a couple of games in. Yeah, well, I thought it was a really fun, like, kickoff or tip-off weekend. There were a lot of really good games. I know that, like, this is now being being dubbed the super team era in the WNBA because you have really stacked rosters in Las Vegas and in New York. But I thought that the Mystics looked really good against New York on opening night. And I thought there were a number of teams, the Chicago Sky against the Mercury on Sunday, that surprised people with how they played. So I'm I'm really excited. I think there's, like, just – there's so many – storylines to look forward to this season um because you know as we've seen over the last few years more and more people are watching and more and more players are becoming you know household names and it's just lending itself to more intrigue and excitement and people wanting to see who's doing what and i think you mentioned Brittany griner i mean that was obviously the big story of the weekend it was her first game back and after she came back from russia where she was imprisoned for wrongfully imprisoned uh for you know having a, a vape cartridge uh, there, you know, people wondered if she'd ever play again. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to play again. And I'm going to play really well. She had a double, double, she had four blocks at her first home game back. I mean, they did like a whole like, uh, intro thing for her. That was super emotional. And she still played great after that, which I can imagine that would be incredibly intense to have to like, you know, your first game back, your wife's at the game, all the fans are cheering for you. They play this like thing for you and you're coming out onto the court and then you got to play like two seconds later, she's, she's winning the tip off. So I was really impressed with that. And it was, it was really cool to see, honestly, it was just a, a great weekend. I thought the WNBA put on a great, a great show. So we're starting, we, that just starts, we saw some preseason games like in Toronto selling out, and they're talking about mm-hmm. the possibility of expansion. And that brings you to my my question again, Jess, of 
if and when that may happen, because we saw it again. Wasn't it the Wings, Dallas Wings, where they cut a first-rounder from 2021, and they cut this year's 11th pick overall, I believe it was? I mean, there, yeah. There's, yeah, it's getting crazy what they're doing. Every team has had to make yeah. roster decisions like this because the rosters are really small. There's not as many teams as the NBA. So the rosters are extremely competitive, and there's entire – teams of really really talented players not on rosters right now and so there's there's a couple big dates looming uh 2025 being the big one that's when the players will be able to start renegotiating the next cba and if they want to expand roster size like that's something that could come up then that's also going to be when the espn WNBA rights package is up right now espn's getting all the games that they have for a, a bargain um, there's also, you know, questions about revenue share. The WNBA players don't get nearly as much of a revenue share as NBA players get in their salaries. So that's going to be a big issue coming up. But expansion is, is, the, is the big one. That's what the WNBA commissioner has been talking about a lot this offseason. Whether or not the team will end up in Toronto or somewhere else, they've compiled a list of a bunch of cities where they might add a team where they've uh, decided that they've seen a lot of fan interest. So the Toronto preseason game getting sold out was was a big deal because – you know, that looks like a really likely spot. Um, but yeah, expanding the league is one really, you know, positive step for being able to have more of these excellent college players be able to keep playing because there's just not enough spots for them. There's too many good players, essentially not enough, not enough space. But I think there's also a question of like, if you expand the league, like we, the players need to make sure that they're getting the resources that they need also without, you know, taking those resources away to like build up a new team. Like there needs to be a bigger conversation about how, you know, the pie is, is sliced when we're having these conversations, because there is still a big discrepancy between what the revenues are and what the percentage of that the players are earning. So yeah, the expansion Toronto is being talked about Nashville, San Francisco, uh, all cities being talked about. We'll see where that goes again. That season just starting. Uh, the NBA, we have Denver. Congrats to them in the finals after their sweep of the Lakers. And we'll see when Miami takes care of Boston to see that Denver-Miami matchup in the NBA finals starting June 1st. Coming up next, we have LeBron James making us not talk about the winner in Nikolai Jokic and Denver. And we have Michael Block <laughs> In the PGA, making us not talk about Brooks Kepka, who just won another major. We'll explain next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Jess, so as we mentioned, Denver moves on. Miami will move on once they take care of the Celtics. We just had another major in, uh, in golf, the PGA Championship in, uh, in Rochester at Oak Hill. And Brooks Kepka, uh, in, in some bad weather, uh, ends up you know, sustaining through that and winning. And it, it's amazing. And I don't know how much of this is he's with, with the Live Golf Tour now. And they're talked about less, just like everybody kind of lost their, well, not lost their minds, were questioning why when Phil Mickelson played so good at the Masters when he finished his fourth round, nobody, you know, CBS didn't interview him. You know, was it because he's with Liv? 
So Brooks wins here, plays well uh, in doing so, but everybody, and I get it, uh, the reason you're talking about Michael Block, if anybody doesn't know, he's a club pro, and they invite X amount of club pros in the PGA. It's been whittled down over the years. And after Friday, he was tied for 10th. Saturday, everybody expected him to fade. He was tied for 8th after Saturday. And then Sunday, uh, he hits that hole-in-one on 15 where he just dunks it. Which And he's playing with Rory McIlroy, who when he was told he was playing with Rory, I thought he was going to break into tears yet again, <laughs> like he did multiple <laughs> times over the weekend. But then, Jess, he gets that up and down on 18, a difficult up and down, where he's tied for 15th, and that gets him into the PGA Championship next year. He's playing this week in a tournament on a sponsor exemption. So what a weekend for a guy that I, I'm not kidding you. I think he cried four or five times with all the times he was interviewed, talking about just what a magical weekend it was for him. While I, Brooks Kepka's feeling like uh, Shooter McGavin, you know, in Happy Gilmore <laughs> when he's asked about after he wins a tournament, what'd you think about Happy? I don't know. I was too busy winning, you know, and, and Brooks Kepka wins, but everybody's talking about Michael Block. Yeah, it was funny because I wasn't watching that much of, of golf this weekend because I was watching a lot of WNBA games and there was just there was it, this was another big sports weekend. So I was like, you know, yeah. what? if there's one thing I have to sacrifice, I'll I'll not tune into the PGA championship. But I kept seeing tweets about Michael Block and I was like, wow, it, it, it appears as though a club pro is currently winning the championship and it wasn't until like Sunday afternoon that I was like oh no he came in 15th which is still yeah. an incredible yes. story yes. but I didn't even know who won until after the fact because I had only been seeing stories about this guy which is goes to show how kind of cool and improbable the situation is but you're right because about him being so emotional because I heard him say after the uh round on Sunday he cried more in the last three days than he's ever yeah. cried in his entire <laughs> life, which is very <laughs> funny to think about. Like golf is not the, the type of sport that you often think about with emotions getting yeah. to that level because you have to stay so cool and calm and collected to be able to finish a round and be in the right headspace. But he was just kind of a mess the whole weekend. Just he, he, absolutely yeah. just breaking down. Every time he talked about it, he was thanking everyone, crying. So, yeah, it was a good story. Um, and, yeah, Brooks Kepka winning. He's a good golfer, man. Like, he's he's won, what, five majors? Six five majors, majors now? Yep. Five majors. Five, yep. uh, he's still super young, early 30s. He's had some injury issues. He obviously, if you watched Full Swing, didn't seem like he was in a good place mentally right. when they filmed it last year. But he's had a really good year now at the two majors that he's been able to play in almost won the Masters and now winning the PGA Championship. He's never won the Open, which is later this summer. And he's, uh, has he, I don't think he's won a U.S. Open either. So no, I don't he still so. has those empty spots on his trophy cabinet that we saw during full swing. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, he won the PGA Championship. He's playing great golf. What can you say? It's interesting. And he even kind of intimated that if he was playing this well, like you said, Masters right there at the end, and then, and then obviously uh, winning this, if he was playing this well, he basically kind of intimated that he doesn't think he would have gone to live golf. He was, You saw it just like I saw it in full swing, the Netflix docuseries, that he was basically he, – he came out and said, I can't compete with the best players in golf right now. My game is not good enough. So it seems like that was one of the reasons he went to live. A, the main reason everybody went was the payday. We know that. And to mm -hmm. try and say anything different is ridiculous. They got paid a lot of money, and it was just – 
he didn't feel he was playing as good a golf to compete with the top guy, so he went over to Liv. And everybody went to Liv for a different reason, right? Older guys who were some names but really weren't weren't competitive anymore, they took the big money grab. Guys like Brooks that didn't think his game was good enough, so he grabbed the money. And then young players who weren't making a dent in the PGA Tour could get easier money at Liv, so, so they jumped over to that. So we know some of the reasons, but Brooks kind of said – Maybe I wouldn't have gone if I was playing this well. But it does bring up another interesting point, Jess. We have the Ryder Cup, which I love. Golf is an, obviously an individual sport. And then we get to the Ryder Cup, mm-hmm. where it's a team sport. And it is, it is so much fun uh, to, to root against the Europeans and for our team. But what's interesting, Zach Johnson is going to be the, t- the captain of the Ryder Cup. Right now, Brooks Kepka, they take six automatic qualifiers. He has enough points as the second qualifier right now, so he would go. The question's going to be, the captain makes seven other selections, because there's 13 total players, Jess, is will Zach Johnson take other live golfers who aren't in the automatic six? If they're not in that, where is that line going to be of, because there's still some animosity there, not as much as last year, and eventually I think they'll work things out. But is Zach Johnson going to maybe sacrifice not taking the best golfer because that person might be from Liv? Right, and I think it's in Rome this year. Is that right? The Ryder Cup later God. this later How great this fall. Was that I know, right? I yeah, I, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, one of the things that I keep thinking about because I've seen reports that like PGA Tour um, viewership is up. And both of the majors that we've watched and talked about have had good viewership numbers and had great storylines. But, like, it just seems to me that, like, compare in comparison with Liv, which we've, we've already talked about, like, the ethical and moral complications of right. on previous episodes, their viewership is so bad that they are no longer going to be talking about what their viewership is. Right. And it seems like all of the animosity and the, and the storylines coming from that has only bolstered the PGA Tour's interest for fans in the States. And I don't know if that's something easily quantifiable, but maybe it's just the fact that we're we're talking about golf now because there is this, for lack of a better term, drama, is, is just really like this PGA Tour has said, okay, you're right, like we need to pay guys more. We need to have a different type of schedule yes. that's more accommodating. We will make changes. Um, and it's it seems like it's working because even though Brooks won and he is a live a tour golfer i i still think that this ends up being a good thing for the pga tour people are interested in golf and the pga tour is on nbc cbs and golf channel you don't have to look for it to find it and if people are interested in golf they're they're just going to watch it i i 100 agree with you already the live experience has helped the purses go up in the pga we, we have seen that I thought it was interesting. Zach Johnson at the PGA, at the presser there, was just getting peppered with questions about taking live players, and he was trying to deflect everything, but they, the questions just kept coming. Cause the, and one of them, this was great, one of them was like, hey, uh, are you going to go to any live events to scout players? And Zach's like, well, I'm kind of still playing on the PGA Tour some, so I can't really. And they're like, <laughs> well, they're on the CW. You can watch them there. And he's like, Oh, yeah, is that what they're on? He's like, yeah, I think we have that channel. My kid watches his shows on that channel. I'm like, oh, man, what a dig yeah. <laughs> he just gave uh, to live there. So we'll see uh, where that goes. But congrats to, to Brooks Kepka. A quick couple moments, uh, Jess, on NHL. Listen, 
we love all sports, you and I, but there is nothing, and I think you would agree, like playoff overtime hockey. Mm -hmm. And in the first four games of of both conference finals, you had overtime hockey. So much so that the first two for Florida, your team down there in in Miami, Mm -hmm. they're playing Carolina. They're up three zip. But in the first two games, two overtime games, the first one was a four overtime game, the second one a one overtime game, and Matthew Kachuk had the goal in both overtimes. That's why I feel old because his dad, Keith, got into the league in 92 while I was still playing in the NFL. So, again, I felt really old. I know, Jess, I am really old. But that (laughs) these guys that I played in the same era with their kids are now star players on teams. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like how your kid is a star player on the DraftKings team. And wow, look at that. You get to host a podcast with him. Well done. So, so Florida's up three zip on that one. And as I said, the first four games, the two games in East and two in West, were all overtime. But one team won them all or, or in each conference. Like Las Vegas is up two zip on Dallas. Yeah. And now it's uh, a lot like I the said, NBA conference. Ex- exactly. Champ- <laughs> conference How about finals? Miami though? I mean, you're down there. I mean, is uh, there buzz Jess? I mean, you got there's so Miami. much buzz. Yeah, it, it's be. crazy because we've, we always like to talk about Miami as a sports town being a little fair weather at times, but yep. yeah, I'm both. It's, it's weird because the Panthers play so far away from Miami that I don't, I, I haven't been yeah. to a game yet. I mean, it's a hike. Like, it is very far from where I live. But, um, you know, he play across the street from our studio at the Levitard show. So, yeah, with combined both teams right now doing so well, we could have an epic June yep. in South Florida. And I, if you think I'm going to pretend like I'm not a fan to get on one of those parade floats, you yep. are wrong. Because I will be first in line. And As I will well be drinking should. Natty Light out of the Stanley Cup. That's what I'm talking about. That's drinking beer out of the Stanley Cup has got to be one of the greatest things. So I've done we'll it. see. It. Yeah, we'll see if it, uh, that happens down there as the playoffs continue coming up. Though we go to the NFL where there never really is an off season. Bunch of rule changes have come through, or at least a few. And I will give everybody a trivia question that you can take to your local bar or work or wherever, and I guarantee you, you will make money on it. That's coming up. Mike, the Philadelphia Inquirer had a headline this week that said, the Eagles beat the 49ers so hard, the NFL had to change the rules. And they kind of have a point. So we talked about this after the NFC Championship game, but there was a CBA thing where you couldn't add a third quarterback to the roster, counted against a roster spot. So the NFL has decided there was a vote, the owners changed it. Now you can have a third quarterback on your roster so that you know if you're – Brock Purdy and you injure your elbow, you don't have to come back in the game and take snaps uh, to prevent your like star running back from having to become the quarterback. So I, I think this is a positive thing, but what do you think? Oh, I, I, listen, they had this rule. This was in the NFL, actually, just while I was still playing. From 91 to 2010, you could, have, you could dress an emergency quarterback without accounting against the roster. And then what they did in the 2011 CBA – is they expanded the roster. They said, well, instead of just doing this, we'll just expand the roster and you can dress three quarterbacks. So they've expanded the roster, but then teams started going back to just two quarterbacks so they could have another person Mm -hmm. at a position they were low at or on special teams or whatever. And now they've run into the problem again if two quarterbacks aren't enough. So they revisited it, as you said, in the spring owners' meetings, and now they're going back to what it was, is a 46-man roster, and then you can dress that third quarterback. And that third quarterback can only go in if the first two 
can't go back in and play. Like if, if one of them is injured and then is back and ready to play, the, the emergency quarterback has to come out of the game. Uh, that the only way he can go in if the other two are incapacitated and can't go back in the game. So I think that's a good rule. But like I said, that rule was already here. Right. And then it changed to just an expanded roster. So now it's back again. So I do think that's a good thing. And this, listen, it's this certainly not the first time. It won't be the last time something happened and then a rule changed. A couple of years ago, remember the playoffs? Kansas City and Buffalo went to overtime. And Kansas City got the ball, went down and scored. And Josh Allen never got on the field. What yeah. did we do? Well, we changed the overtime rules in the playoffs so that both teams get a possession. So that will never happen again. So I, I can see how a season or something happening can affect a rule change. Yeah. And I think it's one of those rare things where it's like a uh, entertainment thing that also happens to fill the box of player safety because you don't want someone who's hurt to go back into the game and have to play. But it also isn't fun to watch when a team just doesn't have a quarterback because both of their quarterbacks have gotten injured. So I think it's a good change. I think that, you know, it's probably done because of the entertainment factor. Like the NFC Championship would have been a better game. I think the Eagles still would have won it yeah. if they had a third-string quarterback. Because, like, I you know, I don't even know who that third-string quarterback on the on the 49ers would have been. But, you know, at least it would have been a quarterback. It, at least it would have been a quarterback. Exactly. At least it would have, would have been someone with a UCL tear trying to yeah. take snaps and hand the ball off. Um, and, you know, possibly injure themselves more. So, yeah, it, it worked out. There was another thing, though, that I think I, I have very mixed feelings about, which is the Thursday night flex scheduling, because right. this is something that players have always said they don't love playing on Thursday night because it's a short week, and, you know, if you're playing Sunday, and then you've – I guess they wouldn't find out that week that they're being flexed into the Thursday. It happens no. – more ahead of time than that has to be 28 days 28 days in advance so it could be a long time and and Jess you can miss me with the with the players being bummed about Thursday I I, you know you're over it they're they're fine I (laughs) I remember playing I I remember playing on Thanksgiving nobody gave a damn about my health then I played on a Thursday a couple of times never never heard oh my god they can't do it so now every team plays normally every team will play on at least one Thursday now there's a team that there are teams you could play on two Thursdays but we've seen it before where they played one Thursday, then another Thursday. So they still had that week. Now, if two teams play on a Thursday and get the short rest each time, then I'll start to have another conversation with you. But I, I Thursday games, I, play. listen, part of the complaining is for CBA as well. I get it, you know, as far as player safety and trying to get more out of it by saying, okay, more Thursday games, give us something on the other end. But I have not been on that argument the whole time. I think the players will be fine. After a Thursday game, you got 10 days before your next game. I know it's a short week. You never put pads on. I get it. I get it. But if you do it once during the season, I I don't have a problem with it. And it's just another situation where money talks, right? This isn't Mm -hmm. only a football thing. This is a outside of sports life thing. Money talks. Money talks more than the players playing on a Thursday that are concerned about their safety. Money talks more than the fan who has that Thursday night ticket that all of a sudden becomes worthless because that game got, is going to get flexed and you're that tickets, you know, you're going to have to make different plans if you want to go to the game on Sunday. So players and fans, just like employees of companies outside of sports, get screwed for the sake of money. This yeah. happens all the you time. You are right about that. Yeah. Look, and you're right. However, as a fan... I hate when my team plays on Thursday night. I don't like the short week. I don't like coming home from work and watching a game. I want to watch 
all of the games that the Steelers play on a Sunday, maybe occasionally a Monday. I don't want to watch it after I've been at work all day and I've just woken up from a nap and now all of a sudden my heart rate is like 85 beats per minute sitting down. I would like to reserve that for Sundays and Saturdays because yeah. of college football. Oh, I, so that's I just it. my own perspective. And I also like knowing the schedule ahead of time and being able to temper my expectations right. because I know that, oh, the Steelers are playing a Thursday night game in Cleveland. Like, okay, well, if it were a Sunday game, I'd be pretty confident that they're going to win that one. But if it's right. a Thursday now, anything can happen. Someone might get hurt. I hate it. I'd rather yeah. them just play all their games on Sunday. But you're right. Money talks. Is fun. And, and, and different sports, different complain. ways. Listen, like in the NBA is, is when a player doesn't play a back-to-back and people have tickets and all of a sudden, you know, that second game, two stars aren't playing and you're holding tickets to that game and the fan gets screwed again. But as I said, you know, th- th- that happens inside and outside of sports where somebody is getting screwed for the sake of money. Why do we think they did this? Amazon is paying a, a boatload of money yeah. to the NFL, and they got a bunch of garbage games last year. <laughs> now they want the ability in weeks 13 to 17 to have a better game, basically saying if we're going to pay you all this friggin' money, we want better games. And the NFL is, and the owners especially are going to say, no problem, because we want more of your money down the road. So that's what they're going, uh, that's what they're going to do. And then you have the side of, of Tom Brady becoming an owner. This is what we're getting now, just with these high-profile, rich, rich ball players in all the sports. They're into buying into teams, not coaching anymore. You certainly get some players like that were at my level would be coaches. But these, these high-profile guys, they're buying soccer teams. Brady owns part of the Aces in the WNBA mm-hmm. in Vegas, and now the Raiders as well. That was finalized. It was uh, agreed to by 24 of the 32 owners, and that's how many you need in the vote. So Tom Brady, a former player, is now a part owner of an NFL team. I, it's crazy. I mean, it's a great investment, though, if you're rich, right? Because yes. the valuation only goes up and up and up. Commanders just sold for, I think, $6 billion, which set a record. The Broncos got sold last year to the yep. Walton family for what was then a record amount. So, yeah, if, it's a sound investment if you have the money for it. So it makes I, a lot of sense. I don't know. Um, again, I don't know how much money he's putting in. Again, these are billionaires right. that we're dealing with. Tom Brady is not a billionaire. So I don't know the amount of money that goes in, but it's a nice face of the, of the program as well, though you think of a face of Tom Brady would be more for the Patriots, not well, the Raiders. And there was also the, the Dolphins thing that happened yes. that they were saying they were going to give him Dolphins ownership after he became the quarterback there, and then the whole thing blew up, and yep. Stephen yep. Ross got suspended, and they lost the draft pick. So, yeah, I mean, he has always been rumored as being someone who was interested in becoming a, a you know a player owner. Like, we, we saw Michael Jordan do it with the Hornets, right? right? So it, it – and I think I think you'll see it more and more like we're seeing it with some other other sports guys in the in the soccer teams as well or or the stars, you know, the, the like uh, Ryan Reynolds and mm-hmm. others. You see Snoop is trying to get out and buy in the Ottawa Senators. So you see it more and more. But here's here's arm and help everybody out. Mm-hmm. All right, Jess, everybody. I'm helping everybody out here. Use this at work. Use this at a bar or somewhere and you'll win money. OK. And the question will be. Tom Brady became the third former NFL player to become part owner, at least part owner of an NFL team. Can you name the other two? Hmm. Yeah. This is something. This is this is a hard question. 
Does Dan Marino own any of the Dolphins? No. 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 He's like a special assistant or whatever. Okay. He's loving his job, by the way. I ran into him during a game I was calling <laughs> this year. He had just come from golfing. Yeah, he's, he's living life. Hmm. So, no, um, it, it is back in the day. One, I'll give you a hint. One was a owner of a team who basically got ousted, ended up selling the team and making a boatload of money. But he was, you know, he, he had done some some bad things were going on in his organization and he ended up selling it uh, to get out of it. Obviously not Dan Snyder. Who just John Elway? No, no, no. No, John, no. John, John was not a part owner. He was not Jer- a part owner. That's what I mean. This is hard. Jerry, Jerry Richardson? Richardson. Yes. Oh, okay. Jerry Richardson. And then the other one is going way, way back. It's a, a name everybody knows. But did you know that he played in the league? It would be one George Hallis. Really? Yes. I didn't know he played in the league, but yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. So there you go. Hallis three Hall. former, three former players, NFL players that became owners or part owners. Tom Brady, Jerry Richardson, George Hallis. So there I mean, you go. it seems like if the if the trivia question were former players that work in front offices, I would have nailed it because I yeah. thought of twenty instantly. Yeah, exactly. And just was guessing that maybe they had an ownership yep. stake, but I how was about wrong. that? So go ahead, everybody, go win some money uh, on that one. Jerry Richardson, uh, I never would have. Yep. Yep. Exactly about. right. You're welcome. I just want ten percent off the top. Coming up, Jess is going to explain why the hell we haven't seen an F1 race in a year and a half. All right, Jess, I, 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 now listen, I understand why the F1 race, it was in Italy, it was supposed to be in Italy, was canceled. Mm-hmm. They had horrible rains, and, and I mean, the safety of everybody is paramount uh, outside of the sport, let alone inside the sport. So that was canceled. We had a race canceled earlier in the season as well. It just seems to be a, a hit or miss, and I know it's not, but when I look forward every Sunday to watch a race, you know, and they're not going on. But this one obviously very legitimate on why they canceled it. There's no other way with what was going on with all the, the, the mudslides and everything they were going to try and get a race in in Italy. I mean, it's it has to be a big deal for them to outright cancel it without yeah. even trying to, because like then the, the chances that they'll be able to reschedule this race in Imola is very slim because of how backloaded the, the F1 calendar is. But to not be able to like recoup any of the tickets or fan experiences or anything like that, like you know it's a big deal. So F1 and a bunch of the F1 teams are raising money right now for the region. So if you're That's inclined good. to donate anything, check out their social pages. You'll see links for helping out people because, like you said, like the complete weather disaster in northern Italy right now. It's pretty crazy. It really is. And before we get to, to the race in Monaco, I want to talk about Pierre Gasly from Alpine. It, it, I, and I didn't really know about this rule, but it, but it seems to be kind of the technical foul rule in the NBA. If you hit X amount, you get suspended. And he was very close. I think he has 10 penalty points. And I think once you get 12 to 10 penalty points in a 12-month period, you have to miss a race. But he got something rescinded or something like that. So he's not going to get suspended. But I did not realize that for a series of minor crashes and things that you hear on race day, whose fault was it, this or that, that they have penalty points against them and they could actually be suspended. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting. It's not like something that you hear a lot about on the broadcast because yeah. it doesn't happen very often. But yeah, he's gotten penalty points for collisions, speeding after red flags, being too far behind the safety car, exceeding track limits, all these things, etc. So something to look out for. I also love your pronunciation, incredibly American pronunciation of Alpi- Alpine, which is Alpine. What the I'm teams sorry, call, but you called the Alpine, which is how like you would say it. No, it's fine. I mean, you were yeah, just yeah. you know you're just in Colorado. I think of Al- Alpine skiing. Skiing, yeah, yeah. right, right. But 
It's Alpine, fine. I'm we sorry. are American. That, that's my fault. And then, okay, so the race this week is in Monaco. And listen, Monaco is another one of those places, my God, I mean. We're, Gorgeous. We're, where, I mean, if you're rich, you're lower middle class. You have to be super rich, right, to, to be over there. It's an unbelievable sight, everything that, that surrounds Monaco. But am I wrong to say, Jess, that the race is just freaking boring? There's just not enough areas to pass. You're not I, wrong. I, I get the whole Monaco thing, but man, it just, I have a tough time getting into this race. You're not wrong. I think it is a more boring race, but I think it is so visually stunning yeah. to watch yeah. them race through the streets of Monaco, which is this really old European town right on a cliffside. They go through a, this famous tunnel. There's people on their yachts, you know, sailgating. Every celebrity is there. I mean, it, this is where half of the F1 drivers live in the off season for, you know, yeah, personal yeah. reasons, parentheses, tax reasons. Yeah. So this is a home race for a lot of drivers, especially Charles Leclerc, who's had awful luck at Monaco. So it'll be interesting to see if he can rebound from, from his bad luck the last couple seasons uh, this weekend. But Sergio Perez won it last year, um, which was kind of an upset for him. So we'll interested to see if he can win it again but yeah red bull's obviously the best car so if they're if they do well in qualifying they will probably win and that's just kind of how it goes in monaco am i wrong to say if i'm a spectator there and you mentioned the cool tunnel and everything you realize you know if you're a spectator there and the cars are in the tunnel you can't freaking see them yeah but if you're a spectator there you're probably doing pretty well that's in life. true so that, you're you having fun on some mega yeah. yacht and drinking yeah. some really nice champagne so right. not well, maybe, a bad place to watch formula one maybe watching from your penthouse and looking down on the track just <laughs> yeah, like right, you're looking exactly. down on all the commenters down there <laughs> exactly right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a really interesting unique race it is definitely one that fans have really polarizing opinions about but regardless of of the race itself if you're a fan of the spectacle of formula one this is the race to watch yeah it seems like it's one of those where just kind of like miami you like to be seen to be there monaco to be there again like you said if you're there things are going pretty well all right jess that's going to do it for the i I do have to say um that i know when we're going to get together for my golf tournament pickleball my wife and i are becoming really really good so i don't know who you play with when you play partner pickleball but but Lee we're, is coming. We're, yeah. We will. Okay. We will see you on the court. Uh huh. We are thinking <laughs> of in the future, in the future for our Golic Family Foundation golf tournament to incorporate pickleball into the golf tournament. I love that idea. I will yeah. lead the pickleballers while you and Gojo lead the golfers. I may leave Gojo to the golf. I may join you <laughs> on the pickleball court. Sounds like a plan. I'm down. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.